Good afternoon and welcome to Rotary Matters. This is Triple H 100.1 FM. My name is Ian Stewart and it's great to be with you today. Today we're going to continue our exploration of Rotary, what it is, some of the good work that it does and how Rotarians and non-Rotarians can get involved. We call the programme Rotary Matters because, as you're going to find out, over the next hour, Rotary impacts many lives, many causes and many concerns locally and all over the world. We've got two inspirational stories for you today, both championed by the same man. His name is Rob Edwards. He's a Rotarian from Coromel on the south coast of New South Wales. Rob has pioneered the introduction of solar power systems into schools in Fiji, enabling them to use contemporary electronic communication systems, things like computers, which we take for granted here in Australia. Not only that, but Rob also leads Plastic Free Oceans, a program to eliminate the scourge of plastic from the world's oceans. He's a busy man with a great story to tell, and we'll meet him shortly. But look, first, if you're joining us for the first time, let me give you a quick refresher, the elevator pitch, if you like, about Rotary. It's a worldwide organisation set up to foster the concept of service above self. Worldwide, there are 1.2 million members and 35,000 Rotary clubs in 220 countries, so it's a relatively large organisation. Here in Australia, we've got 30,000 Rotarians, 1,100 clubs and another 270 over in New Zealand. Here in the Triple H catchment area, we have 10 Rotary clubs, though as our signal does go beyond Hornsby and Karingai, this number is certainly higher. Most Rotary clubs meet once a week and they donate their time to a range of very worthy local, regional and international community service projects. So you're going to find Rotarians fighting disease, providing clean water, sanitation and hygiene, saving mothers and children, supporting education, growing local economies and promoting peace. Locally, uh, you might see Rotarians running a food bank for those less able to pay. You might meet a student here on exchange from overseas, attending a local school and staying with a local family. Or Rotarians running a fundraising event focused on sending emergency shelter boxes to help communities overseas which have been devastated by natural disaster. Today, as I said, we're going to be meeting Rod, Rob Edwards, an extraordinary Rotarian, an energetic powerhouse for whom the motto, Service Above Self, rings true every day. Also with me, I'm delighted in the studio to welcome Laissa Digitaki from the Rotary Club of Suva in Fiji, who just happens to be in town today and um, has uh, kindly consented to come along to, uh, to our programme, Rotary Matters. <laughs> Leslie Gore there. It's her party, as you've just heard. Welcome back to Rotary Matters. Today, we're going to be meeting Rob Edwards to tell us about a project called It's Time, a scheme to put solar systems into schools in Fiji, and also to tell us about the Plastic Free Oceans campaign. But also, it's a special treat in the studio we have with, with us this afternoon, Laissa Digitaki, who's come all the way from uh, the Rotary Club of Suva in Fiji. So welcome, Rob, and welcome, Lissa. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. Fantastic. So, Rob, let's get straight into it. It's time. Uh, how did that idea begin in the first place? Uh, it was a coincidence, Ian. I'm a scuba diver, and I was up the northeast of Fiji uh, off an island called Rambi, and I just walked into a school and had a conversation with the, the principal, and um, he said, just hang on a moment, I'll be, 
I'll be with you. He was doing something on an old laptop and he raced past me to turn off the generator because he'd turned the generator on to run his... This was a petrol-powered generator? Uh, diesel. Diesel. Um, and I went with him and he's got a 40 kVA generator, which is a really big generator, just running his little laptop. So, um, <coughs> in short, came to realise, and that was a donated generator, that's all they had. They, they're paying huge amounts of money for tiny little bits of power um, in the evening for the teachers or occasionally in the school. So we're in a secondary school? That was a secondary school, yeah, Uh, 12 teachers' quarters and uh, I think they're now about 250 kids at that school. Um, So I decided to fund one personally as a proof of concept to if uh, we didn't proceed, that was something that was nice that was done and if it did proceed, we actually could learn how to actually do this as a charity, which we have and um, in November we'll have done 22 schools. 22 schools? Mm. That's fantastic. Um, and I guess the Lisa, you're from Fiji. How many schools are there that Rob's system could possibly go into? Oh, there's a lot of uh, schools in the rural areas that don't have this facility. So I would be saying a couple of hundreds more. So there is a lot of work to be done. But I'm just so happy to see that Rob has started that. Yeah. So um, do the Fijian um, education authorities, do they endorse what you're doing? Do they appreciate what you're doing? Yeah. Or do they say, hang on, it's our business? We're not interested. Uh, that's a really important question, Ian, because lots of people come along with a good idea, which was me, prima facie, mm-hmm. um, and then you really have to earn your stripes because they have people coming with ideas and all the time. Uh, so we built a relationship over about five years, and now we've got a solid partnership where they're actually my consignee. Uh, anything that comes into Fiji, you have to pay VAT. No one gets exemption. The Ministry of Education now process that for us and get refunded within their processes. Um, and I report quarterly to them about our projected projects, what we've done, what we've surveyed, what issues we've had and so on. Um, it's, it's a great relationship. And it took, a, took some time to build that, um, but that's, that's now fundamental in what we do. So um, what was the impact of not having solar? I mean, in, on, on the L system, you had mm. the price of, of fuel, presumably, the diesel? Yeah. Um, there's a, the fundamental answer to that, and this is happening globally, and it's not just a difference between developed countries and developing countries, is that you've got a widening gap between kids who can have a modern education, which is access to basically a computer, and kids who haven't. So if you look at what our kids have got here, um, they're advancing down a particular education path. The kids who haven't have a massively less chance of modern jobs, tertiary education and so on. So 24-hour power... What the solar systems do is two things. gives them 24-hour power so they can actually have that modern education. The money that they save on diesel going into two, three, four hours at night for the teachers' quarters and a little bit at the school, if they have got power, creates the cash flow to buy that electronic infrastructure, to buy the computers. So the savings enables them to... That's column number two. So Wanimakutu is a little school in in the uh, highlands in the main island in Fiji, on Viti. And they're saving in the order of $12,000 a year mm-hmm. that's now going channel back into education. So, so what does the system consist of from a technical point of view, Rob? Uh, you have four major components. Is You have solar panels, which is obvious to everyone. Familiar to us here, yep. And surprisingly, the cheapest component of the systems. Uh, you have mounting systems, which is a really important consideration. So we have... Um, the highest cyclone-rated clean energy mounting systems that we can get, and we get tremendous sponsorships. Are these roof-mounted or on the ground? Um, all but two of our projects are ground-mounted. Um, 
one of the next projects will be roof mounted because it was a rebuild after Cyclone Winston, so we can be confident that that structure that will be structurally robust uh, to do the job for us. But otherwise, they're, they're heavy ground mounted systems, big galvanised posts and so on. Which so is we've got the panels, panels ground mounted, and they connect to what? To uh, an inverter system, which is either uh, a brand called Alpha out of the US, which was supporters, or SMA, which these are top tier. Um, gear, uh, the SMA comes out of Germany. What is critical with these systems, and we have broken a bit of a, a trend where there was a few small school solar systems put in on least cost tendering things. So you put rubbish equipment in, lasts for a couple of years and it, it fails. We put stuff in that we want there for decades. Mm-hmm. So that means we buy premium equipment and sometimes our systems look expensive but because of the sponsorship support we're getting them, we're probably spending a donor dollar twice. Uh, because of the value that we're getting. Your most expensive component by by some margin are the batteries. Uh, and we put in lithium batteries out of... simplify lithium batteries out of California. Um, and what that actually means now is that we can expect the batteries to give us up to 20 years of service. Where lead-acid batteries come with a one- or two-year warranty, these come with a 10-year warranty to hold 80% of their power. So who does the installation of all of this? Yep. Um, there's a company in server called uh, CBS Power Solutions, and I built that relationship right back in the beginning. Um, well, after I'd installed our first system, and um, they just give us um, extraordinary price support. Um, and they're doing big systems, megawatt systems around the Pacific, but they still find time for our projects at really good value. And on two occasions, they didn't actually send the invoice. Uh, which is an Aerofigen company, and that's pretty special. Rob, yeah. We're talking with Rob Edwards here um, about the It's Time project. Um, uh, Rob is from the Rotary Club of Coromel and the south coast of New South Wales. He's um, pioneered the introduction of solar systems into schools in Fiji. Um, it began just by chance, it sounds like, Rob. And uh, how many schools are now covered, about 20? Uh, 22 schools will be covered by November, and that's with 18 systems, okay. 19 systems, summer high school primary right. school combination. Now you mentioned earlier on Cyclone Winston, Lisa um, from the Rotary Club of uh, Suva in Fiji. Tell us a little bit about that cyclone. When was it what sort of devastation did it cause? Yeah, that happened in February of 2016 and uh, that was the, the biggest um, cyclone that would have happened in the southern hemisphere so it created a lot of damage. So for Rotary Club of Suva, because we're based in the capital city of Suva uh, the immediate thing that we did was uh, mobilize the um, emergency uh, uh, response kits, the rotary emergency response kits. So these are big uh, uh, blue containers uh, that has got uh, materials that uh, anyone or any family will need on the first few days after the, the cyclone, for instance. Some of our listeners might know these lists as shelter boxes. Yes. It's a similar yes. concept. Yeah. Absolutely. A so- rigid plastic box with uh, with um, sufficient in it yes. to help you get yes. through the first few so, days. Yeah, so those were the things that we rolled out and um, we mobilised with um, some other um, uh, NGOs and um, people like uh, the Red Cross, but uh, mostly we, we use our own resources. So we were one of the first people to be out there uh, well before um, the government even uh, got their acts together. And you had these already in stock? Yes, we do keep um, um, a few hundreds of these uh, in um, a certain warehouse in Suva, and um, the main one is in Auckland. So as and when things happen, uh, when there is an um, environmental disaster, this gets pulled out immediately. So we have access to those immediately. 
So that is why we're normally the first ones to go out there to the field. It's a wonderful initiative. I mean, the whole shelter box story is just fantastic, the exactly. way it began and how it has spread. But the actual impact of the cyclone, as you say, quite devastating. Rob, some of the schools that you were uh, working with? Uh, yeah, we were um, fortunate in terms of the solar systems. We, we did su- sustain some damage, but um, because of the structures of them, they, they held up. But, but um, uh, one couple of the schools were completely destroyed up in in Tevierney and they've just been rebuilt now um it's actually quite a, a thing isn't it Larissa when you um go into these areas and it was a little bit life-changing for me a week after Cyclone Winston drive around these areas and, and understand one how actually devastating it is mm-hmm. and that was the second biggest cyclone in the world mm-hmm. uh after the one in the Philippines a few years ago we're talking with Rob Edwards here it's Triple H 100.1 FM this program is Rotary Matters my name is Ian Stewart However, I do not feel sorry for Rob Edwards and Lisa who are with me here on Triple H 100.1 FM. We're talking about the fantastic It's Time project in, uh, in Fiji. Rob, um, you've installed um, solar systems. Um, what does a school have to do in terms of maintenance or uh, keeping track of the performance of, of all of this? Yeah, there, we actually enter into a contract with the school, which is in, in principal good faith contract we can't we can't actually apply that uh with a number of things and one of those is that we built a uh, a reporting portal where the school uh, is given a book and they fill in each day the battery charge in the morning and the afternoon and then when they get in and get to internet access which the schools are getting now because they've got the power um they upload that into a system so i and someone at rmit university will look at that data and we can have an ongoing understanding of the health of the system and how it's performing so you can remotely um influence how it's running or no no okay um it's not at that stage where okay. the connections are good enough to do that and ideally we'll, we will get there mm. one day as connections get better. So this is a manual input into the portal that we've designed mm-hmm. and then we can actually see that we can chart the movements of um, the battery charge which is the best indicator of, of how the system's performing right. so we get that data. Right. Um, and they also report if there's any issues and, and so on. Yeah. So and, and most of the time it works very well? Uh, since we've put it in, the project's implemented that the projects that have come afterwards they've been quite good um but with winston and such we haven't implemented well retrospectively Mm, so we need mm. to get back and i need to get someone in country to be working with those people a couple have so uh, recent projects yes very good the ones before that we have to introduce the concept to uh not so good so um i mean is the system now designed and installed in such a way that it could be uh, termed cyclone proof no, I don't think nothing, nothing is cyclone-proof. Okay. Uh, so, for example, some of the damage we sustained on Kiara Island, uh, the system, we only lost one panel, but the system was hit by a water tank at probably 250 kilometres an hour. So, oh, goodness. You know, yeah. Nothing, no, it's going to stop that, so we go and replace it. Okay, uh, so it's not the wind and the rain that does it. It's, it's other debris that will smash into it. Oh, it's projectiles. We, Pro- lost, projectiles. we lost one set of panels, and the wind went through um, Yunoa Island, and the timber came out at a hunt, 300 kilometres an hour was, was what was reported. And they, they just shot bullet holes in the, um, the panels. So the, 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 the mounting systems were so strong that tore the aluminium out of the um, panels. The system mm. stayed there, but which was relatively cheap to repair. All we needed to do was put the panels on it. The panels Are, the are these insurable risks? No. No. So you have to start again. 
Yeah, so, I mean, but people then are fairly sympathetic. In that case, Boost Juice came to the party and they funded the, the refurb of that project. And so Boost Juice is an Australian company? Australian company. Those companies you see in um, supermarkets selling juice. Uh, so they, have their, they had their um, uh, conference in Fiji and a part of that was that they funded that and we made a little video and they showed it at the conference. Well, isn't that good? That was $10,000, I think, for that yeah. project. Yeah. Well, well so, done, well done, yeah. well done. So... Um, uh, as well as those reporting obligations, uh, Rob Edwards, um, is there anything to do with with picking up plastics around the community? Yeah, absolutely. Um, some areas in particular in Fiji are particularly prone to drift plastics and there's a, a, they're coming in on the ocean and there's also a lot of small plastics that the villagers are not particularly good at looking after their own plastics. So when a village takes on solar system now starting this year when we launch the plastic pre-oceans platform they make a commitment that once a month they will go out and pick up plastics for one hour so Lisa, hour. is rubbish and, and plastics uh, a widespread problem in, in yeah Fiji? it is a major problem uh-huh yeah um so for uh, what rob is doing is is really good for us because it's creating uh, awareness back to the village level and to the school children because with power they're able to watch television and the government tries to uh, generate a lot of awareness programs and the NGOs as well on how to look after their plastic and not to throw it away, uh, you know, just reuse it and things like that. So it, it's a fantastic uh, So it's platform. not just ocean-borne plastic, it, it's throughout the, the rest of the land community. Correct, yeah, because uh, for, for villages, especially in the isolated um, uh, areas in Fiji, they, they live in a subsistence way of life. So normally what is now their plastic used to be plant leaves. So they wrap things with leaves and things and they just throw it away and yes. it naturally becomes a, a compost. compost. Whereas with plastic, they still carry that same kind of behavior and unfortunately it takes so many years for that plastic to, to decompose. So, so that is a shift in mindset that, that we are trying to, to educate them on that it's so different from the leaves that they, they're used to. I mean, apart from it being so unsightly, when you see it scattered on the beach or uh, by the roadside. I mean, there are health risks too, to, to wildlife, absolutely. to marine life. Yes, Rob? The, oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, um, just two examples. By I spoke on um, uh, my day job. I'm a professional speaker and this, uh, <laughs> about well-being. Right. Um, <laughs> but in um, to New, Seaford, New Zealand, and a scientist spoke before me um, documenting the trajectory of plastics in the ocean. By 2050, there'll be more weight of plastic in the ocean than there will be fish. And with catastrophic effects on food chains and not just affecting remote indigenous populations but all of us. World, Wild, World Wildlife Fund uh, commissioned a study that was published uh, only a month and a half ago. Uh, we, all of us, all of our listeners, are eating on average one credit card's worth of plastic per week in my, microplastics. Really? Mm-hmm. And the World Health Organisation has no idea what health impacts that'll have down the track. So the more awareness, whether it's kids in remote communities or it's you and I sitting here, um, it's, it's a crisis that we've got to deal with. So um, we've heard about what's happening in Fiji and the communities there are being encouraged to pick up their plastics. What's happening here in Australia on the mainland, Rob? I think, haven't you got a Heroes program, um, which is... Well, can you tell us about that? Sure can. Um, we're actually <laughs> one week away from our two-year anniversary of starting the development process. So we've had a software development team running for two years um, on the project. Uh, I call it... 
uh, a little Facebook for the environment, except the founder hasn't got the same bank balance as Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> a little Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's two columns to that where any individual can make a commitment to move from being part of the conversation about plastics to being part of the solution without being fanatical. And the challenge to individuals is that once a week to commit to pick up one piece of plastic, whether it's on the way to work, on the way to school, on the way to the cafe or whatever, and put a dot on the map. So we go to plasticfreeoceans.org, sign up, cost them nothing and put a dot on the map. For, for just one piece of plastic they'd pick up, you put a but, dot? Uh, you just put the dot once and leave it there. Right. But when you sign up, you can say, I'll do it one piece once a week. But no one does that. Mm. So I met a woman in Melbourne, uh, actually Rotarian, uh, when I was down there yesterday. And she said, oh, I think of you all the time now. Every time I go to the cafe, I pick up three pieces of plastic. Yeah. So that's the commitment. So it's, it's getting people who are not so much engaged now to take a step and we who are engaged to talk about it and put our dots on the map and build a viral impact. For so it's not much to ask, is no. it really? No. I mean, we all see plastic around the community and could do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And we and, all talk about it. Right. And so you've got all these, you've got a map of Australia, dot, 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 all over the place. The globe. All over the globe. Is it spread that far? Yeah, two people from Iceland signed up. You're kidding. Oh. <laughs> <Yes>. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, We're in the launch phase, the early stages, and it's lovely. Yes, and people in Spain just signed up. We have a look at it in the back end, yeah. Right. Mm. So you've got people picking up the idea all over the world, yeah. supporting the Plastic Free Oceans uh, campaign. Yeah. And little dots appearing all over the world. Yeah, the dots pop up. I mean, up. what's the what's the ultimate goal here? To cover the whole world with red dots? Yeah, that's on the video. Let's cover the world with dots. Let's is, cover the world with dots. And the idea of that is that 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 fear of missing out effect. When we we build critical mass, other people will see that and then follow through. And then the other column is for organisations, whether that's schools, Rotary clubs, or businesses, can put their dot on the map and. They're creating what's like a Facebook page as well. So they can actually use it as public corporate social responsibility as well. So cafe around the corner from me puts it up there. They use paper straws. That's all they need to do to actually qualify or if they recycle. So it's getting businesses to take those first simple steps to be a part of the solution without thinking the utopian way that people do that we have to be perfect Mm. before we present that. Mm -hmm. Um, And once we start doing that... Um, so Captain Cook Cruises are putting their pages together at the moment. Um, They're putting what together? Uh, their, their page. Their, right. their page on plastic free uh-huh. oceans. Uh, Colmore Rotary Club has got their right. page. Because so Captain Cook, Alyssa, they um, have cruises around Fiji. Yes, absolutely. So mm. they've picked that up and are yes. going to do something about it. Yeah. And Rob, uh, around here there's a campaign called Straw No More, yeah, which perfect. is uh, encouraging hospitality outlets. Just as you're saying, forget the plastic, just offer the paper straw. Um, but offer it if it's if it's if there's clearly a demand, um, and in that way, I, I've seen I've seen images of of sites where straws, plastic straws, have been the predominant um, piece of plastic that's been surrounding some of the cafes and the pubs. Yeah. But um, a simple gesture like paper instead of plastic, straw no more. So straw no more can sign up their page mm-hmm. and be on there as well, and then we'll be actively promoting those talk types of organisations out to the to the greater populace that are looking at the platform. I congratulate you on all of that. It's, it's a terrific initiative. This is Triple H 100.1 FM. This programme is Rotary Matters, bringing to light some of the really good work that Rotarians are doing. But another good fellow, of course, is Tom Jones. Tom Jones there. It's not unusual. It's Ian Stewart. It's Rotary Matters. Welcome back. You're on Triple H 100.1 FM. 
It's 24 minutes to four on Friday afternoon. Coming up at four o'clock, we've got the uh, Street Beat program with uh, Neil and with Heidi, telling you all you need to know about what's going on around in this part of the world. But right now, I need you to focus on the messages we're getting from Rob Edwards, um, from the Coromel Rotary Club, and from Lisa Dichitaki, who's come all the way from Suva, Fiji, to be with us this afternoon. We've been talking about a terrific program to install solar panels into schools in Fiji and the idea of picking up all the plastic you possibly can uh, to, so that we end up with a, certainly with plastic-free oceans, but I reckon, Rob Edwards, plastic-free world at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that would be the, the ultimate well, goal. Plastic. Can we live without plastic? Free, uh, no, we can't, no. and we shouldn't try, mm-hmm. and we shouldn't try and take on too big a utopian goals about that because then yeah. we're always going to fail. It's, it's what small things that we can do. So mm-hmm. um, most of the time we can take a reusable cup to the yep. cafe for takeaways, but if you're going to catch a plane or something like that, it's just not practical. So you may have reduced your consumption by, say, 80% or 90%, which is a massive change. Mm-hmm. And if we take that sort of small step, uh, little uh, consistent small step, uh, strategy, attitude, then we'll, we'll make big successes rather than waiting to be perfect. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, um, as I mentioned a couple of times, um, you're a Rotarian, you're with the Coromel Rotary Club, and that club, as I assume, adopted all of this um, in a big way, this campaign. Yeah, they're quite supportive of... Um, we're in the launch phase of um, this with Rotary at the moment. And, and to give context to that, there's eight columns in there for cafes and tourism and businesses and not-for-profits and so on. And there is a specific column for Rotary because I'm the founder and I'm a Rotarian, basically. Yes, yes. Um, and that's proved... Um, will prove very effective, I think, um, and has, has already... Um, given us some good results. So one of the suggestions to Rotary Clubs is that they have a Rotary ambassador in the club, um, uh, an environmental ambassador in the club, and they report back once a month about SRAG, which is the Environmental uh, Rotarian Action Group, so they make a comment about what Rotary's doing globally. So this would be um, uh, uh, an executive position within the club? No. We don't even want to complicate it that much. Okay. Someone gets nominated and they'll report once a month about what Rotary's doing for the environment globally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've sat back and watched that happen. So immediately the, the young woman in our club, Emma, reported that. The club started talking about tree planting. They're going to put a tree planting program together. Our 60th anniversary may be a tree grove rather than park benches, this sort of behaviour, because it was simply introduced to them as another you know, way to interact with the community. But the big kicker of it is that, uh, sorry, as well, clubs will consider um, once a month having a plastic pickup for half an hour, an hour, get together. So it's pick up plastic for an hour, go and have a coffee type theme. Uh, we did ours. We went three, seven, 12, 24 last weekend, came along. And the beauty of that is the non-Rotarians coming to join right. us. Uh, we've already got a new member. And part of this thing is that it's about drawing new membership into Rotary. It's an easy way, isn't it, for yeah. a, a non-Rotarian to uh, take part in a project, which is easy to do, yeah. but it, you'll rub shoulders with, with Rotarians in the process. And perhaps just it'll whet your appetite. And you might just then, as Rob has indicated, um, decide, I think I'd like to join that organisation. And it's through projects like this that I think will attract um, more members in the future. And that's an overt objective mm-hmm. of, the, of the Rotary column. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair to suggest that we're probably at... Membership is an important issue for Rotary globally and a challenge. We're probably at the point 
where um, we've got the greatest opportunity to draw new people and particularly young people into Rotary by engaging in this comp- contemporary issue of sustainability in the environment. And if we address that in simple ways, but that's just, just one example, uh, and the other one is that we can checklist activities we do in our club. So we do a barbecue, we do the five-point checklist to see if we can reduce waste. Mm-hmm. No-brainer, do it at the board meeting. Uh, don't have to have any representative and do it and then we're engaging with another set in the community. Lisa, will this work in Fiji, this this idea that Rob's talking about of having an environmental position within the within the Rotary Club? Of course, yes. Um, um, in actual fact, our, our club has been uh, very proactive in uh, tree planting and things like that, which is very environmentally friendly. So uh, what we do is look towards uh, Rotary Clubs offshore or individuals like Rob and then we can uh, collaborate on things like that. And if they want things uh, to be done in Fiji, we can do all the logistical work for them. And we can bring in all our resources as uh, club members and be enablers for people like Rob and uh, the overseas um, uh, Rotary Clubs. There are many ways that the community can support these initiatives. I'll Correct. just give you a quick story about one that was uh, pursued by the Taramara Rotary Club last year. Uh, the, the crayweed grows around the coasts and used to grow prolifically around the Sydney region. But thanks to pollution, it, it, it was dying off. So we took part last year in harvesting crayweed, or actually the researchers at the University of New South Wales harvested it from outlying areas, brought it into Sydney Harbour and the nearby coastal area. And we, a, a bunch of us went out there and were involved in, pl- re- in planting crayweed, which is now being monitored. And this restores uh, a natural environmental mm, sure. uh, item to the to the coast which in turn will be a breeding ground and a feeding ground for marine for marine life mm, wonderful. so uh, it's a way of planting trees but but under, under yes. underwater mm-hmm. um we're with um, rob edwards and lisa dichitaki from the uh, rotary club of suva um back in a moment Welcome back to Rotary Matters. It's Ian Stewart. You're on Triple H 100.1 FM. Uh, Rob Edwards has been telling us about the solar project for schools in Fiji and the uh, Plastic Free Oceans campaign and helping him in the studio along with me has been Lisa Digitaki from Fiji. Rob, I congratulate you. I think it's a wonderful initiative and a very fine example of what Rotarians can do you bumped into this, I think you told us at the beginning, by accident. You've now got over 20 schools with solar systems in place. Liz has told us there's many more schools that could uh, take advantage of this. What's, what are the barriers, Lisa, to actually implementing something like this further afield in Fiji? Well, the most important thing in, that is a barrier right now is the will to do it. So we need a lot more robs in the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll elaborate. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> the simple barrier, Ian, is money. It's, we've, we've got a bulletproof system now we've put together over, t- over nearly 10 years. Um, and the short is we're probably looking between 230, 250 schools in Fiji. And if someone walked in the door and put $15 million on the table, we'd just go and do the lot. Right. It's a completely scalable model. So you've got the people who could do the installation. You've got suppliers around the world for the panels, the inverters and the, yeah. and the, and the storage batteries. It's just a question of joining all those dots. Mm. But there is a number, a dollar number that's needed to make that happen. Oh, exactly. And, and we're doing them next. We'll do two. It will be the same as if we went down to, to the Kandavu group and did 23 schools. Mm. I mean, I love the way that, uh, uh, was it Boost Juice or Just Juice? Um, oh, Boost Juice. Boost Juice, I beg your pardon. They were running a, a conference in Fiji and they wanted to do something yeah. um, of a, to leave a bit of a legacy 
to do um, some community good while their people were there enjoying themselves and enjoying Fiji, and they chose that as a as a project yeah. to fix up. Now there are many other um, Australian organisations that take their conference offshore, and would be interested, I'm sure, in a in a in a packaged proposition to um, to do some good as part of their CSR responsibility within the context of their their sales conference, their product launch, their gathering of the clan. It's not an uncommon way to do this. And I, yeah. I'd encourage you to track down all of the Australian organisations that are going over there. You could get their names from the Fiji Tourist Bureau. You get their names from the big hotels, which is where they're, they're probably being accommodated. And then it's just a question of going back to the uh, organisers here in Australia and saying, hey, guys, <laughs> here's, something, here's something you could do. So, if, if I could just add on to that, Ian. Yes. Yeah, the, um, uh, just for your information, that there's a lot of uh, Rotarians on the ground in Fiji as well, mm-hmm. and including just the general public, the Fijians themselves, mm-hmm. who are willing to help uh, and give their time voluntarily to assist with all these things. So, yeah, we, we're there. So if they want to, just contact us on uh, Facebook or messenger or whatever it is there's a lot of platforms that they can use so we are there we can do it uh, at no no charge at all this is our community service back right so if anybody did want to to help they could contact you through those channels sure and you'd point them in the right in the right direction yes yes uh if if there are certain um, things like uh, tariffs uh duty uh when, when your containers come in yes yes that is always a big issue because you still have to uh pay certain things like uh, uh, the VAT, value-added tax, and sometimes when they don't really know that you are part of charity, they can slap on uh, different kinds of uh, duty charges. So uh, those are the kinds of things that we can talk to government about. So you know the right people, don't you? In, uh, well, in we try to. And duty departments. But they understand how important this is to the people of Fiji, and they will come out of their way to help. And Rob, I guess when you first started, you would have come across some of those barriers that needed to be broken down in terms of um, yeah. import duties and tariffs and so on. That's why it took us two years to do the next two because mm-hmm. I took a long time to develop the sponsorship relationships and the logistics relationships. So we have out, we don't pay for international freight, main freight, freight for us for free. We just pay $90 document costs, so we have 10 tonnes of material to get that. The main freight is a, is a freight <laughs> company yep. who've sponsored the, the freighting of the equipment into, into Fiji. For us, and in country, uh, a company called Williams and Gosling, mm-hmm. there they just charge us their costs. Uh, and those relationships, the, the value of the relationship is really high because they process it all for us, they know how to do it. And that took some time to build, but now we've got really robust relationships. And we just ring them up and we do the paperwork, and they'll go crook on me if I Rob, haven't sent the invoices. It's a wonderful story, and um, on behalf of Triple H, I'd like to congratulate you uh, on everything that you've done, and we look forward mm-hmm. to following following it um, from now on. Um, you've got a website for uh, Plastic Free Oceans? PlasticFreeOceans.org. Okay, so just if, uh, or even if you just simply remember Plastic Free and Googled it, I'm sure you, you, you'd, come, you'd come across it. And Lisa, uh, a website for the Rotary Club of Fiji? Yeah, just Google Rotary Club of Suva. And of then, Suva. Yes, and we have a, a Facebook page as well. And the Facebook page as well. Well, thank you both very much indeed for coming in. We thank really you, appreciate yeah. that. It's been a lovely story. I'm so so heartwarming. <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm very excited. I'm <laughs> so Thank you. We'll let, yeah. we'll let you both go. And 